Let's start over. Uh, <clears throat> welcome to National Prayer Breakfast. I'm your host. I'm one of your hosts, uh, Aaron Scarlett. <laughs> Let's start over. <clears throat> no, no, I like it. Uh, Kratom got me fucked up. Uh, yeah. It's the Kratom. You're, yeah, it's like you took Kratom and they're like, do you know the president? <laughs> you remember when uh, Roseanne Barr said what she said? It was yes. all because of a Kratom high. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, Kratom, one of the many side effects that comes along with Kratom is racial um, slurs. Dude, the, the Roseanne clip, I mean, that I watch that so often. Uh, yeah. I... I thought the bitch was white! <laughs> and she just takes like a long drag on a cigarette. Uh-huh. Um, I love that so much. Like, uh, you know, she's clearly losing it in the clip. And like, yeah. she's like whipping her hair back and like, I thought the bitch was white! But, uh, you know, I don't know what she could say. She like said, she called some woman Planet of the Apes or something, right? Yeah, she said it wasn't good. Yeah. Um, I remember thinking, like, if I didn't know better, uh, that sounds a little racist. Yes. Well, it's... I would say it's, like, probably just safe not to make those types of comments if you're not sure of someone's race anyway. Sure. But in her defense, the the bitch did look white. Oh, yeah. Um, Um, Anyone could have made that mistake. Which is why you don't want to... You want to, you want to, before you call someone to Planet of the Apes, you want to get their twenty three and me. True. Uh, at least, um, I mean, at least we got something good out of it. We got Goldberg's, right? What's is that? It, is it that's like the spinoff of uh, Roseanne? I don't know. I was just more of a fan of the clip. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was when you became a Roseanne fan. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I thought the bitch was white. That's not. She didn't just say I thought the bitch was white. She said, "I thought the bitch was white. White." Um, that is. I fell in love in that moment. Uh, funny thing, actually. Uh, not that this changes um anything, but humans are in fact apes. Uh, yeah. One of the, the five uh, great apes. If you uh, if you put your faith in science, <laughs> which I do not. Yeah. Well, I'm not sure Roseanne does either. I'd have to... I'm more of a vibe guy. For sure. Um, science lies all the time, you know? I had a... Um, Whereas faith is never lies. I had a pamphlet I was going to show you. I, earlier today, some... Uh, uh, some um, evangelicals of some sort came okay. by to uh, try and have a conversation with me. Yeah. They asked, like, do you think the world will end in, in violence or will we overcome violence for, you know, an era of never-ending peace? Something like this. And I was just like, yeah, I mean, I think it's a little too soon to tell. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And... Uh, they asked, like, do you read the Bible? And I was like, yeah, but I'm an atheist. Um, I always try to be really... People fuck with them a lot. I always try to be extra friendly, actually. Yeah, I don't extra, think there's any reason to fuck with them. In fact, I'm probably... I'm never nicer than when I'm talking to some sort of religious Mormon. person at my door. Yeah, because I don't want... 
Well, first of all, like, they're... I mean, I would hate to have that job. Yeah, I mean, it would be terrible, but they... Um, and a lot of them are just kind of like... Uh, uh, like Mormons, for example, whenever... <clears throat> they're like coming of age. Yes. Uh, whenever they come of age, they have to go to. They go on mission, whether that's mm. like in a different country or whatever. And they'll be ostracized if they don't, you know, do all this. Correct. So it's like it's hard to get mad at them because in many of them, it's it's uh, all they've ever known. And then even the ones who do come into it late in life, chances are they're in it because of some sort of horrible tragedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it does get hard to get mad at them. However, the big dogs that are in charge of operations like that, fuck them. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, well, they should be in prison not only because, um, I mean, depending on the religion, like, you know, a lot of them. It, they're. I mean, they're insane. They're having wealthy. sex with the followers' wives. That too. Um, stockpiling weapons. But, but the reason I always try and be extra nice to those people is I don't want to be like sassy and like angry or or whatever. And then they're like, oh, and like also reveal I'm an atheist and they're like oh he's got uh, yeah. so much pain in his heart cause that's gonna make that's him want to fucking do. come back yeah they're gonna be like oh, oh that he is needs us point. he's an atheist and he was so angry right but if you're like oh yeah I'm an atheist you guys have a great day though enjoy yeah. your Thanksgiving like yes uh whatever uh peace be upon you um <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh live long and prosper uh uh, Did you see that someone called uh, someone so the, from the thumbnail from our video uh, episode last week, episode thirty four, Lo Fi Girl is which by the way is guy. actually episode thirty five. I mislabeled it <laughs> and <clears throat> haven't fixed it. By the time you see this, it'll be thirty five. Good. <laughs> episode thirty. Well, okay, yeah, uh, yeah, because we put. I don't think that was your fault. Any, we can, we can. No, no, it was. Yeah. Uh, but so, so we had a commenter, Jordan Kaler, on YouTube, shout out, said, From the thumbnail, I thought Tim Dillon finally scored an interview with Charlie Manson. Uh, but hey, this is pretty entertaining, too. So we just wanted to say thank you, Jordan. Thanks, um, I People have been making comments about my appearance. And I would just say... <laughs> What part of I'm making a high fantasy graphic novel about a wizard that, was, <laughs> that looks like me do you not understand? Um, yeah, the Char Charlie Manson isn't a great... Um, I mean, what do you, do you, would, you, would you prefer to be compared to him or Tim Dillon? Um, I, I mean, morally, Charlie Manson. Uh, <laughs> But physically, I don't really care. I don't... I don't... I'm not... Uh, I don't care that much about my appearance, you, somehow. Oh, I thought you were going to say, I don't see physicality. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I don't... I don't see body size. Yeah, well... I don't know. I think the more time... Go, like, I think I'm... I'm I, I don't know what is causing this, if it's, like, water or, like, you know, vitamin deficiency or whatever. Mm. But I don't really... I don't really care if I look old anymore or, like, not mm. good. 
uh, it used to be like something that like bothered me constantly. It's just like people, because people uh, for the past ten years have been like, "Wait, you're not that old. You're you're way older than that, right? Right? Yeah. Right? Or whatever." And it just eventually got to me, and I was like, "Okay, motherfuckers, I'm never gonna shave again." You know? And yeah. That's where I'm currently. At. I mean, there's definitely the benefit of being a man. Like, <clears throat> aging is more acceptable. Also. In my opinion, men's, I mean, I kind of, that's kind of my thing, but men peak at, like, 47-ish, um, their looks. Yeah. Um, that might just be my, uh, broken psyche, but... Sure. Uh, though, I don't, I'm not attracted to women, but I think women also look gorgeous when they're older, like, they kind of get a different look, like, a more, they lose collagen in their face. They get more of a matte finish. It's more of, like, a, um, a matte finish, (laughs) but it's, like, they lose, like, collagen, so it's less of, like, a baby fat face and more of, like, it looks kind of elegant, I think. Yeah. Maybe guys aren't a, that doesn't make them want to fuck, because they're, it's a sign of being less fertile. Well, I mean, it depends on the guy. Um. (laughs) Yes. Of course. If you check with some TikTokers, they, um, we're going to start reviewing, I'm going to, I've collected a bunch of, uh, horrific TikToks that Dude, I'm going to show Aaron the, in the next episode. You are the leading expert on the phenomenon, like, you are a cringe scientist. <laughs> um, the things that you have found on the internet and then shown me against my will, uh, like, will never leave my thoughts. Well, here's some exciting news. Okay. And uh, probably our next episode, we're going to have a whole segment of, uh, you know, cringe review where I show you the, you know, horrific TikToks and, and the audience will watch them with us um, and we'll get your reaction. But we're also going to do, like, deep dives into different characters from TikTok. So there's, you know, a common phenomenon is these big age gap relationships. Yeah. Um... There's a couple fun characters we're going to look into there. Those are always horrifying, the ones you've shown me. Can we... We should bring back... uh, So if you don't know, Keith and I used to have a podcast called uh, Christians in Cambodia Getting Coffee. And uh, one of our favorite characters from that was Missy Modell. Missy Model. I don't know how you say it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But she was just... Like, during the pandemic... She was fun. Like, she's not classified under cringe for normal people, I don't think. Um, Yeah. But she's, like, she's just this, like, kind of just a blue no matter who liberal uh, influencer. And she just, it was just shocking how sycophantic she just was. Like, you remember the... Her whole thing is she just does Weird Al, except for she just rewrites lyrics to popular songs uh, and makes it, like, from the perspective of a shitlib, which she is. Yeah. Uh, so she made these songs that were like, I trust you, Dr. Fauci. Like, uh, yeah. it, it was just like, it was a, it was a different type of cringe. <clears throat> we kind of have gotten away from, like, making fun of shitlibs because... Well, here's the thing, like, I think right she's now. well-meaning. I probably agree with her with more things than I would agree with a lot of people in this country. Yeah. But it's sort of the cringe thing for me is, like, even if you don't hate Fauci or you think he's good at his job or whatever, we don't need to be sucking public 
figures and politicians dicks for doing their job. Right. You don't need to be lionizing them or whatever the fuck. Like, no. He's doing his job. No one's like... And if you were, even if you are, there's better people to be sucking off than Dr. Anthony Fauci. No doubt. It's such a sad... Uh, th- she was also, I guarantee, she was just like like a Cuomo-sexual yeah, sort of. Cuomo-sexual. Just like by the book, fucking Ruth Bader Ginsburg merch. Uh, um, you know, uh, Kamala, like all all the all the classic like sh- modern. But, shit and that's like the thing. thing. Like I liked, I like all of Ruth or <clears throat> most of Ruth Bader Ginsburg's positions and the things she was mm-hmm. wrong about. She later admitted she was wrong, which you don't see a lot in politics. Right. But then just like the sucking off of you know Ruth's clit all the time and just uh, and and I think that's sort of what probably motivated her to not retire earlier is just this, you know, she became a celebrity and. Yeah. No matter how principled or serious someone is, people get addicted to that. Don't idolize any politicians unless they're Bernie Sanders. I've been. I've always said that. Yeah. Which, if, uh, by the way, if Bernie had become president, it would have been. He would have become the opposition. People don't realize that, like FDR, are you know best po- uh, politician in terms of like progressive, mm-hmm. uh, like economic policies. He yeah. he would not have passed all that shit if there wasn't like a strong organized labor force forcing his hand. Yeah, yeah. He and if you look into FDR's stances on things, he was like he was war hawkish. He was uh, yeah, yeah. He, was, yeah. he wasn't the progressive. Well, that was the Democrats. Was, of but the that's time. what Biden could be. Biden yes. could have his hand forced, and it, it would be the greatest thing ever for his legacy. He yeah, could yeah. he could just fucking. Well, any any Obama certainly could have been that too. Like, here's the thing. Obama was getting fuckloads of money from Wall Street and... Goldman Sachs. Yeah, and, like, whatever, all these moneyed interests, and there's no organized labor in this country, so who's he going to listen to? Whose bidding is he going to do? I mean, fuck Obama for, you know, what he did do, but, like, it is the natural uh, result of, of the environmental pressures. And... FDR especially, like, he went way far beyond, I think, what we could have hoped for from Obama, but mm-hmm. he, he like, he was so radical compared to, like, what, um, no, I'm good. He was so radical compared to, like, what, uh, like, the corporate America at that time wanted, uh, these, like, wealthy families, like the Vanderbilts and Rockefellers were thinking about hiring a hit to kill him. Um, that's how much, like, yeah. he was pissing them off. And a politician, no matter how much they believe in this policy, will not do, will, aren't going to risk getting assassinated if they're not getting pressured to by the people that elected them. Sure. And the, one of the, the Vanderbilts, uh, one of these families that fucking hated FDR, his daughter ended up marrying into that family. Um uh, at the at the time he was president, so like if he wasn't being pressured by organized labor, he like he he would have he would have been a Vanderbilt basically. He would have sure. even though he was a you know probably was a progressive ideologically. Yeah, yeah. Um. Not a Vanderbilt, a Dupont. I think <clears throat> his daughter his daughter married a Dupont. 
Yeah, it's uh, it is weird. Um, it's it's weird to go back to that time because I I don't know when the last time you know um, you like read about the labor movement or anything was. I didn't learn about the labor movement when I was in public school, really, uh, yeah. and I definitely didn't when I was in uh, homeschool either. Um, in fact, like I should have brought this, but I was I was back home and I was looking at the books that, <clears throat> like, there's some books at my parents' house from my time being homeschooled, and I found this book called A Patriot's History of the United States, which is clearly a response to Howard's Zinn. Did we talk about this on the last episode? Yeah, you sent me the back description, and it was like, a lot of history books would have you believe that America was founded on slavery and genocide. Yes. That is not the case. Exactly. (laughs) And it's like, I would like to see what their uh, their explanation... I didn't mean to get off topic. We were talking about FDR. Um, But uh, reading that shit for the first time... Like, as an adult, I read, um, like, last year, I read A People's History of the United States, which that's what that book is. It's like a conservative, uh, literally endorsed by Rush Limbaugh, um, answer to uh, A People's History of the United States. Is that Chris Hedges? Uh, No, 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 that's Howard Zinn. So, A People's History, it came out... um, like it took Howard's in many years to write it, uh, but it's it has excerpts and um, just accounts from slaves, from indigenous people, women, workers, stuff like that. Shit that you normally don't really hear about uh, in a regular history book. And this is the shit that make no mistake. Like the history of the United States. We call it critical race theory now because that's the buzzword that uh, that the whatever the the right wing propaganda machine that keeps America alive um, calls it. But <clears throat> but that type of that type of perspective, like especially the labor movement, which was glossed over whenever I was growing up, um, it gave me a new. It gave me a new perspective on FDR because I, as a lefty, I had always assumed FDR was the greatest um, because he was FDR and he he did like you know under FDR uh, um, there was a progressive tax rate uh, uh, you know there were uh, important labor laws passed um, I think the eight hour workday came under FDR. Uh, social security, um, just all the New Deal shit, and I had always been like, "That's that, that's FDR's doing." But I didn't. I had never learned about Eugene Debs uh, and the the Socialist Party in America, the unionization, the the fucking um, the Rockefellers and the railroad people mm-hmm. uh, hiring Pinkertons to create false flags. Uh, and and cause violence in the streets uh, and blame it on union agitators. It was a fucking war zone, yeah. uh, literal war zone. They they would open fire on um, on fucking union agitators constantly. Yeah, uh, and that it's just like it's so. I mean, part of it is like, yeah, it's a little bit more boring than reading about Pearl Harbor and atomic bombs and shit like that. But it's so important. Like, and it makes it makes everything makes so much more sense. 
if you know about that struggle. And it, it also it uh, it makes it really explains why we're at where we are with politics, where it's all culture war wedge issue bullshit from both sides like yeah argue about abortion all day argue about race all day argue about gay marriage all day mm-hmm. they'll never let this shit go it's it benefits both sides to have us fighting over this shit because then we're not talking about economic policies between us oh, and actually dude. that's the other thing those issues most social issues most Americans agree on them like yeah. most Americans agree we should have you know, Dude, you can quote the fucking Communist Manifesto to most conservatives without them knowing it, and they yeah. will agree with everything in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But even the social issues are not as divisive as we're led to believe. Like, 70% of Americans now support gay marriage. They're trying to get rid of it. Mm-hmm. Like, 60-something percent support Roe v. Wade. They got rid of it. Mm-hmm. So they make it sound like, oh, it's this big divisive thing. But actually, it's not. But they've just... They've queued up this wedge issue to be like, this is the thing we're fighting about this week, which should be settled. You right. get fifty-one percent, that's that's you won. That should be that itch. That should be the end of it. You don't have to get this idea that you have to get to a hundred percent consensus on a social issue is fucking bullshit. It's meant to waste all of our times mm-hmm. to stop us from talking about like you know class issues, whatever. Right. Um, and they I, don't want. Well, there's. I I feel like. Um, the whole uh, propaganda machine, obviously during the Cold War, they wanted to stop the spread of things like social uh, concepts like socialism, Marxism, whatever. And they're, um, they've effectively made unions disappear in the United States yeah. uh, without anyone knowing or caring. Yeah. Um, which uh, they, I mean... Even, like, there, I don't know what news sources you, whatever, um, you you get your, your shit from. You're getting it here now. You're getting it here now. But it is, it's staggering. Obviously, like, I, I'm a lefty. I pay attention to, like, um, that I get my sources from uh, a lot of left-leaning uh, independent media, media or whatever, which is very, like, union worker focused or whatever. Mm-hmm. But... There used to be, like, huge labor sections in every newspaper um, that used to be... And that used to be the lifeblood of the Democratic Party uh, is union guys voted blue. Uh, And effectively, uh, that that connection is completely erased. There's no correlation. The right wing's propaganda has been so good on this issue of making... Uh, left in general, but especially the Democratic Party, just seem like soft, uh, elitist, managerial, like gay, yeah, <laughs> trans, black, um, which is ridiculous. Of course, like workers. I mean, labor is everyone, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Nearly everyone, and it's these we we. There's got to be a better way to not get dragged into these stupid intentionally constructed wedge issues that the Republicans pull up. And also, like, you know, stick to your values. I, I think some sometimes people can talk about this in a way that makes it sound like 
they're advocating for throwing trans people under the bus. Mm-hmm. But you don't have to do that. You just have to, no. like, recognize that, like, doctors who are, their interest is just following the science have yeah. settled uh, trans as a real thing, uh, like, a hundred years ago. Um, we don't have to debate anything. Right. And if we win electoral battles, we can just listen to what scientists and doctors say, and we don't have to fucking talk about this shit. Right. Um, and that, I mean, just... And, the- and, and here's the thing, like I, I was mentioned before, we do not have to convince everyone. You do not have to have 100% of people except trans people. You just, you get a majority and you crush dissent. You yeah. don't, I mean, like we talk about flyover states and disaffected people. If As long as we're focusing on things that will help those people... They can be as pissed off as they want about, like, this social shit as they want. Yeah. We do not give a fuck. You lost. Um, and But you have to make it apparent that it is in their best interest to vote for, like, a left candidate or, or um, you know, policy. I do think that, like, behind uh, conservative, you know, um, right-wing... Uh, um, messaging and ideology I do think uh, and to a certain extent this exists uh, you know in liberal spheres as well um, as far as just like more centrist uh, Democrat stuff um, what they're not actually they're not actually afraid of a gay agenda um, or whatever they call it like being yeah. spread what they're actually afraid of, is having two, um, you know, disillusioned, uh, well, two disillusioned uh, portions of the population, like trans people uh, and, um, you know, whatever, your everyday, like, um, uh, whatever, middle-class person, working-class person who thinks that he's a right-winger. Yeah. Um, they don't want those two to become friends because... And realize they basically all their interests are shared. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I do think that that's like... Well, that's one thing I think, like, you know, if we're talking about trans rights, we can really narrow in on uh, health care being, like, a huge factor for them because yeah. it's something that's everyone's getting fucked over on. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it affects them slightly more than it does your average person. Though, not, if, if someone has like a chronic disease, they probably have higher medical costs. But yeah, that's like that's an issue that you don't have to have consensus. You don't have to win a culture war. You don't have to soften the hearts of bigots. And people will agree on it. Like, if yeah. so, you know, if a doctor determines someone should, you know being on, on hormones or whatever would make them less likely to kill themselves. They yeah. should be able to fucking afford that. Um, and it, uh, I, I think it, like stuff like that, like going back to policy, that's obvious and also is a broader thing. I think like race, there's another good example of this, like, um, like wealth disparity between races. Mm-hmm. I think that's like, that is essentially like the closest we'll get to solving racism in this country is basically erasing this wealth disparity. Yeah. And you're the only way you're gonna do that is some form of reparations. Like the and it will take a long time probably as well. 
But I think you could sell that just as a mass wealth redistribution where you raise up the floor of right. like lower income people generally. Mm-hmm. And that will disproportionately help, help black people. Yes. You don't even have to promote it that way. I mean, I'd be yeah. cool with that. You can just say, like, we're, you know, we're raising the, the standard of living in this country. Right. And, you know, whether they catch on or not, the other white working class people, uh, you know, they, they may not even be aware that you're disproportionately helping, you know, disaffected, like, sure. minorities. Um, yeah, you do have to tippy toe, and you. That's can't what Republicans say that do all the time. Order. Republicans do this all the time. You cut welfare, you cut food stamps, you cut all these programs because they know it disproportionately hurts black people. They do not say it. They don't come right. out and say we're cutting welfare because we hate black people. Mm-hmm. They're smarter than that. I think the left has to be smarter than that. Mm-hmm. We don't go out and say we're here to save blacks. No, right. You're just like we're we're gonna make sure people no one's living in abject poverty here anymore. We're making sure people can go and get like secondary education. Yes, everyone, universal programs. Dude, something I've been thinking about is just like on the ground level because we talk about these concepts or whatever, and we're just I mean, we're fi- like we're a couple of guys in Overland Park just talking or whatever. Um, but I have been thinking. You know about the people in my life who I have disagreements with ideologically. People like my parents, uh, and just like kind of talking to them, like trying to not be condescending or anything, but just like letting them talk and you know hearing out like where their ideas come from uh, and why they think the the way they do, and. Um, I mean, we'll just talk about, like, uh, the problem of poverty in general. Yeah. Um, because my parents and, you know, a lot of people um, have the opinion that uh, if a certain group of people is poor, it's because they're lazy or they steal or whatever. Yeah. Um, and it, you know... Or they, you know, in in the case of, like, evangelical Christians, a lot of them have these opinions about trans people and gay people in general or whatever. And if you talk to them, you'll find out, like, they don't know a trans person. They've never encountered one. Like, and these are, like, rural Missouri people. They're not, you know, they're not in the urban centers where there's more diversity or whatever. But... Dude, it is so hard to hate a group or not have an understanding or have a simplistic idea of why they're set back. Um, that can only happen when you don't, you haven't taken the time to actually talk to one. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's it goes both ways. It goes both ways. You don't, you know, when you talk to uh, a MAGA guy. Um, and just, like, find out about their circumstances or even something more extreme like QAnon. If you just talk to them for a second and hear them out, um, it's impossible to just have the same, like, fucking blind rage that you... Whatever. Yeah. So, I don't know. I just... In my own life, I just... Most rational people, you can come to an agreement on, on way more issues than you would expect. 
Yeah. And if you do encounter someone that's like very right wing and they're like, they're like, you know, you're getting the sense that they got pleasure out of watching George Floyd die. You just don't fuck with that person ever again. Like they're right. There's there's too much there to that you would have to fix. And they're like, you know, it, it, like you can't you can't teach someone empathy. Uh, no. and spend all that time before you get to like uh, talking about the politics of it. Like. Uh, a lot of people are too far gone, but it's not uh, not necessarily as many as you think. Dude, uh, I think the reason why I've been having these thoughts, and they are, I realize that they're like hippy-dippy, and it's convenient right now for me to have that sort of philosophy. You mean uh, left? Well, no, no, I mean just like, because sometimes, reaching, like, sometimes reaching. I'm angry, and I'm just like scorched earth, and I say mean things about yeah. whatever... I've been watching a lot of fucking Cornell West videos lately, yeah, yeah. and he is the best ever at having yes. a discussion. He can be talking to someone who is saying not only just heinous, racist things towards him, yeah. whatever, um, he never... He's not affected. Like you, like yeah. He will talk to anyone and give them the benefit of the doubt. He's not insulting he remains calm and he like He calls happy. them like brother and sister. Yes, yes he yes. starts every sentence with affection, like yes. and just letting letting you know that he whatever. I think he's the next phase of like the progressive politician. I love Bernie and he he's better than, you know, a lot of the more left people, but uh, Bernie had a thing where he was focusing way too often on like the things that were wrong yeah but you also have to have a, a, a positive vision of which he did but his kind of tended to be more curmudgeon and like here's yeah. all the issues we need to solve works for me but i think and and the the squad is like is more similar to him like aoc they're just yeah. talking about the infrastructure and the people dying and stuff right. i agree with them but it's sort of a downer and it's sort of just like this is bumming me out. Right. But Cornel West or a Marianne Williamson, yeah. who a lot of people mocked, I think are really fucking good at that. And, like, list, like you left, can't watch... Leftist politics is... is It's not just solving bad things. It's... It's, it's like, you know... It should be about solidarity. Yeah. Uh, it's, like, it's like repairing, like, the completely broken social fabric of this country that probably was never really there. Right. I mean, there's been a real degradation of... Uh, and in some ways, this is good. Like, we've very much lost religion in this country. Uh-huh. And that's going back to, like, the 70s when you saw, like, the cults or, like, the new religious uh, organizations, like, popping up. That was going on, but also at the same time, the, you know, Christian capitalism was really just starting yeah, to take off. Yes. That's yeah. when... Um, you know, it's sixties and seventies is when like Jerry Falwell. Well, yeah, religion became more of a business. Yes. Um, and you you sort of had an erosion of communities. You we've seen this with unions, and that's something we can't just have the right policies. Um, like we have to, like this country really needs to repair. Uh, like it's not there's nothing resembling a community here anymore. No, unless yeah. you're like, and really, the the best, the, the the closest you get to a community is like an oppressed minority of some sort. You know, yeah. like, you, you, like there really is black communities. That, like deaf people probably have more of a community than most uh, yeah. people in this country have uh, because of uh, you know 
being different. They have to, but sure. Um, I'm sure that you know next week <laughs> something will happen, and I'll I will uh, return to my normal violent rhetoric. But I um, I really want Marianne Williamson to run, and I would love to see her just like fucking take off. She got mocked as like being a crystal lady or like woo, but yeah. If you watch her, she doesn't say anything. She doesn't say anything ridiculous at all. She's just like, right. you know, this this country, like, our policies should be rooted in, like, love for our fellow human being. Yeah. And I don't know. Like, for some reason, when she ran last time, people were like, what the fuck is she smoking? Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She's just, like, saying, like, very normal things. Um, um, yeah. Uh, I don't know, dude. I, uh... I, I think if you know me or have, like, followed my career at all, like, you know, I, I'm not, like, a big Biden guy. But I have started um, just, like, you know, and you want to be careful allowing hope in your heart whenever it comes to, uh, you know, democratic politics. Yeah. But, I mean, um, this... Uh, like the the elections, the midterms, um, the way that they turned out without like that much. I don't know how much mobilization was really there. I think it was just inherent. Like people were like, they, I don't know, pissed they, about Roe v. Wade, happy yeah. about student debt relief. I mean, it really is just yeah. It's it. People are getting better. I think Americans are getting better at focusing on policy and like yeah really we have issues that are just affect like no one's immune to being affected by uh the failures of our government anymore right it might be for a while but eventually people are going to be impacted by that and and in a way it's going to suck when you know your relative is you know doesn't have health care and is dying or whatever Mm -hmm. but in a way it's like uh unless someone's a billionaire and they don't have friends outside their class which isn't many people, like, people are gonna, people are being affected by how bad things are getting. Yeah. Boomers are retiring and they can't retire. They're, you know, like, they're finding, like, just how bad they've let Social Security become during their lifetimes. Dude, and, uh, can I say something? Yeah, yeah. They're also, older people like boomers, um, they have this new opportunity to look at uh, the way the game is rigged um, in a way that uh, they're going to get messaging from the right because I think the right hates... Well, I mean, aspects of right-wing traditional politics hates uh, the tech oligarchs and the yeah. uh, the tech industry. But it's it's amazing because you can... I've used that uh, illustration to like show my parents kind of like so this is called a monopoly these are feudal wars <laughs> yeah you know and it's stuff that they they failed to see how it's no different than um, uh, I mean I mean I'm trying to think of a uh, a different kind of billionaire um, or or industry where that takes place. But, you know, just a classic, I own all the property, yeah. you're fucked, you have to pay me if to, in order to live. Do you know work. how many conversations I've had with libertarians, which I have many for yeah. some reason. Me too. Where the conversation sort of reaches a point where I'm like, have you ever heard of this thing called a 
Monopoly? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, uh, you're just like, get a, write this down. Yeah. See, Keith, that's exactly the sort of attitude we can't have. We're Cornell West from here on out. We can't be condescending. We're welcoming all, all... Everyone. You shouldn't. Well, okay. I'm kidding. But if you're talking to a uh, like anarcho-capitalist libertarian, sure. you're like, no. If you just got rid of regulations, there wouldn't uh, everyone like there wouldn't be someone controlling all the profits. And right. Like, you have to be like, um, there's it's actually this little the thing. Yeah. yeah. This little thing called monopolies. I think. Aaron, it, uh, oh, go ahead. A quick aside. Last time you uh, you brutally trashed my bookshelf. Uh, Did I? For being tasteless and just fantasy books. <laughs> Did I really? I would like the viewer to uh, move their eye over here. Oh, what's that? Uh, under the globe. Oh, we have a Tolstoy. A Leo Tolstoy. Uh, Anna, Anna Karina. Anna Karina. Uh, and uh, Oathbringer by Brandon Sanders. Well, no, more of the top one. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Not very many uh, impressive books are written by a guy named Brandon. <laughs> he's uh, a well actually he's a he's a he's quite good. He's um Mormon actually. Uh teaches, practicing? Like Yes, he teaches at BYU. Brigham Young. Brigham uh Young. He uh he posts his uh his lectures on YouTube for free. I mean they're quite, he's really he's really good, you know, fantasy writer, but um fuck yeah. Um on that note uh you uh, you have some Mormon uh, lore going on in your yeah, yeah. W- involving Brigham Young University. Yeah. Um, which I want to say, if you're into memes, and I th- I hope you are, uh, check out Brigham Young. Uh, it's on Instagram. B- BYU Virgins. <laughs> yes, BYU Virgins. It's like this satire account. It's just like barely satire, which is amazing. Um, but they've they've set up like this meme account that's a virginity club, a fictitious virginity club at Brigham Young University, and it's fucking phenomenal. He don't fail me now. <clears throat> Take me to the finish line. Um, we're gonna have a Lana Del Rey uh, theme song. For the show? Yeah, for this. Actually, I do have a song I wanted to uh, run by you as possible theme music for the pod. Really? Should we have two different songs? One for uh, National Prayer Second Breakfast? Yes. Our Patreon? Well, that'd be, maybe that would be good since it's uh, Lord of the Rings. We do the uh, Concerning Hobbit song. Yes. <laughs> Uh, we could do that, or, I mean, there's a million good songs from Lord of the Rings, actually. There's, uh, we could do one of, like, the Anya one. Uh, or Gollum song. It's, it's, she goes by Inya. Inya, right. I always thought it was Anya, or pronounced Anya. I don't know. I think it's Inya. What a lovely singing voice on that. I uh, fucking love Inya. Yeah. Um, who's the one? Did she sing Gollum's song, the one that's at the end of Two Towers? Because I fucking love that one. Maybe I don't. I'd have to look into it, but uh, her voice is very distinctive. Yeah. Last week, Keith and I filmed a uh, rotating still life. Uh, that was. 
that had candles in it, lit candles, um, and it was a fire hazard. Yeah, and it had dried leaves on it. Leaves, and, like, fabric. Yes. Yeah, uh, we don't care who we put at risk uh, for our art. Well, by the time this is up, either it'll be coming out like around the same time, or like this pod will be out shortly before that, so they'll be able to go check that out right away. Um, We've been busy. Uh, I don't. We don't have to get like too specific if you don't want, but uh, we're talking about Mormons, and uh, yeah, my second story is. Is going to be set. So not the one that comes out the week of this podcast, but sometime, sometime after it, maybe maybe December. Yeah, so probably about three weeks is a reasonable. I don't want to be too optimistic, but yeah, uh, it's a uh, set in Utah. Yeah, and the main character is Ashton, spelled with a Y. Yes. So it has a lot of those like unique, uh, uh, like sounding names with like Mormon spellings. Yes. Uh, I've I've sampled the story. It's I'm very very excited about it. Also, I don't know if you're if you've been te- paying attention to Randy, but ultimately um, you know, I released first the first chapter and since then I've been trying my best to I I would I I care about this project so much more than anything I've ever cared about and I um I'm taking my time on each and every illustration for it and it's I got to say it's going to be fucking gorgeous. Um I am so excited for you guys to see it. We've got an original Randy artwork up here. That was yeah, that's a Randy prototype before I even like I think that was one where cuz I was doing I was doing a, a bunch of wizard paintings and drawings and stuff, and some of them were like clearly based off of Gandalf, obviously. Um, and then I came up with the name Randolph the Raw Umber, and then that turned into Randy. And I, I mean, I had already had like kind of a narrative uh, about it built up, but yeah, we almost uh, we almost set the apartment on fire last week, and. Uh, I was just thinking about it because we were out in the hallway, like, verbally figuring out where the fire extinguisher is, yeah, and I was just thinking about how freaked out I would be if I overheard that. Yes. Yeah, we were in the hallway because I wanted to make sure I knew where it was at if yeah. we needed it. I was like, oh, yeah, it looks like it's just here in the hallway, so if uh-huh. we uh, th- if we start a fire, we'll just come out here and break the glass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking out loud, like, you want to hear our, uh, our new theme song, Aaron? Well, yeah. You're going to vote. Uh, <laughs> oh, do I? Yeah. So this, is, uh, this, this may or may not be our, po- our uh, podcast intro theme song. Yes. Oh. Ooh. That's nice. I'm in. I could use some Kratom for that. Should I have enough? Or wait, have I had too much Kratom? Kratom. Oh, I'm going to ride the light. Who is this artist, Pretty perverse. 
Well, not it is very a, suitable a for K-pop her. artist. Uh, okay. But her, it's a remix of her song with the uh, rap of a rapper named Cupcake. I don't know if you're familiar with Miss Cupcake. No. Tell me about Cupcake. She is the filthiest rapper um, you'll ever encounter. Uh, mm. Oh, Bob. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I want to actually... She has some of the just, like, funniest fucking filthy lines. Like, um... Uh, one of them, I, I, for some reason, it just, like, is so visceral and funny to me is she says... Um, I think we should fuck up on every zip code. It would make my pussy wetter than a fishbowl. That's delightful. Yeah, like she's comparing the pussy to a, fi- a dirty, <clears throat> like not necessarily dirty, but a fish tank. Yeah. Uh, Which, yeah, that is, fish tanks, like the scum that you find in a fish tank is amongst the most disgusting <laughs> uh, substances to line any. Um, surface. Uh, Let's see if we can find some good cupcake lines. Okay. Um, no, these are like, these are quotes for saying inspirational things. We don't want that. If you want to be the next cupcake. That's our next move is writing uh, self-help books. We're going to get into the fiction game, and then after we dominate that sphere, we're going to get into self-help. Um, I did, I've thought about writing a book uh, about how to, like, not succeed in art. Um, or whatever, like, yeah, just how to be poor. I think that was... It's quite an art to that, um... Mm-hmm. I also have an idea for a book of, like a stoner book, like a coffee table book, that is Aaron's book of scary thoughts, um, and then uh, have an accompanying book that is like Aaron's book of comforting thoughts. So, for like someone that's too high or something. Yes. So you're like, re- yeah, you can read like, uh, like the horrible things that I think of. And then, to, as a chaser, you can read whatever. Like, not every siren is for you. Or, what you know. Well, here's a uh, radical idea. Maybe people could smoke less weed if they're getting too high. Hey, <laughs> I, I, feel like, uh, I feel like you're talking to your husband right now. <laughs> uh, it's, well, it's something people need to... Uh, uh, People need to assess, maybe. Um, common thing. I mean, you know, from my own experience, like, getting really high and then, like, I'm having lots of anxiety and not really drawing a, a conclusion that... Yeah. Maybe that's part of the problem. People, that's a common, you know, people drinking, like, six coffees a day and, like, I just have so much anxiety. And it's like, well, you are on a, a fuckload of that. stimulus. Or I, I, uh, I do that. But I haven't, um, I mean, my anxiety was bad last week for external reasons, and I wasn't smoking very much weed um, last week. Yeah, well, you don't want to compound. Let me get some, uh, let me get some crazy. You, uh, yeah, get in there. Get on my level. If you're getting too high from weed, maybe try some Kratom for a change. Yeah. 
I've been enjoying uh, I've been enjoying the kratom. But also too much can also give you anxiety. Okay. Not like yeah. a not like weed, not paranoia, right. scared thoughts, but I don't know. I feel like whenever the times that I've eaten kratom and it's been like a substantial amount of it, like it I feel like there's a good like sweet spot where it's not like me right now, I've, I've eaten a lot of that today, uh, and I don't feel, like, anxious. Uh, I feel more of, like, the body high, sort of. Um, yeah. I feel maybe relaxed is the right word. I feel, like, tingly yeah, yeah, yeah. in a good way. Yeah. I'm in a good spot. Hey, speaking of uh, drugs, I, uh, I did a weekend, this past weekend, I just want to mention, I did a weekend with uh, Craig Conant at the Comedy Club of Kansas City. And I just want to say, I, um, you know, most weekends I'm opening for somebody uh, somewhere at a club, and I've, I've met a lot of fucking headliners um, of varying degrees of fame. Craig Conant is the fucking real deal. Um, he, and I say that, like, of course, like, the artist and the and fucking comic in me appreciates him because he is unapologetically himself, and he does, you know, he's not, uh, he's not super famous uh, or anything like that. People know who he is, for sure, um, and he's, like, on his way up, and he, you know, he... Um, he sold a lot of fucking tickets, uh, but he's still at this stage where he, you know, if he's doing a club in the Midwest, it's not gonna all be fucking Craig Conan fans or whatever. <laughs> and it was so f- refreshing to be with a comic in that type of situation that doesn't really make compromises. I feel like um, because. Th- when you're when you're just doing clubs in the Midwest uh, and stuff like that, which he does all over, he lives in California, but you're going to be in front of art audiences that are fucking retarded, just constantly, uh, and they're not going to get your references, they're not going to get your jokes, uh, they're not going to be down with like um, dark humor and shit like that, and there is a way. Um, there's a way to do well, uh, you know, there's, there's a couple different paths you can go down to like do well in a situation like that. My move usually is to just become a hack and just be like, okay, whatever. I'm just going to do the dumbest jokes that I've written here. Yeah. You know, the ones that I wrote in my first two years of stand up. Uh-huh. Um, and that's the move I historically have taken and whatever. Um, but with someone like Craig, he, he just does his fucking thing. Uh, you know, he's not, um, he, he, he doesn't become a different person whenever the audience is shitty. Mm -hmm. Uh, he stays the fun loving. Did he have like like, jokes that didn't land? Yeah. Yeah. It, but and I guarantee, like that man's funny as fuck, and he's a good joke writer. He's he, he's in, he got accepted into JFL, which is like 
for comics who are trying to like break through it's for laughs yes that's the most prestigious like after Sam Talent made JFL that's when he started like Mm. really fucking blowing up Um, which both of them went the same uh, the same year got accepted but Craig was Craig was extremely kind uh, aside from that Um, he uh, I I just I kept getting the feeling that he um, he understood who I am and like the the plight of a comic in my specific like situation more than any other comic ever has. Mm-hmm. He gave me advice. He uh, you know uh, he made some recommendations on uh, how to not fuck up my health so much with caffeine and shit like that. Uh, he got me into liquid IV. Um, what is that? Is that like so? It's like a drink with like it's a powder that you mix into, and it's uh, it. Ha- I do think that it has some caffeine in it, but it's not. It's more of a like a tea caffeine sort of high. Yeah, like green, like L theanine. Yes, because um, he saw me drinking an energy drink, and what kind? I, I, okay, it was a bang. Oh my God. All right, it was one though. I used to, so I went through a phase where I was drinking those, which bang is like a pre workout, uh, I think, technically, yeah. which I don't work out, never have. <laughs> um, but I, I like those things because I like to go off the deep end or whatever on caffeine sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, liquid IV is just like this uh, powder that you pour into a water bottle, basically. And I haven't made it to the store to buy any, but I'm definitely gonna gonna do that. Um, I get advertised that sometimes. Um, that in the liquid death, which is the can, it bottled water, but in a can form, which okay. I would be interested. The idea is like, yeah, aluminum is better. It's like more recyclable, recyclable, yeah. easier to recycle than um, than plastic. Yeah, I I uh, reuse like bottles so many times that, I mean it's glass so you can just wash yeah, it yeah. infinitely times but like even plastic bottle water like I'll use it like 30 times I also want to say before we move on from the Craig thing uh, uh, Jake Redpath was hosting all weekend and Jake if you haven't checked Jake Redpath out he's been on this podcast I don't know how the episode went uh, um but check out his comedy if you haven't. He's um, he was hosting and it, he was uh, he did well. He was consistent all weekend. Um, he's getting Jake is one of the few comics around here I think that is uh, comfortable with doing intelligent comedy mm-hmm. um, because and I used to be this way as well. Like I was terrified. Um, for people to know my actual opinions about anything Mm -hmm. because I thought that whatever and I was afraid to come off like um, like I thought I was smarter than I am Mm -hmm. Um, but Jake has been doing these bits uh, he does bits about police which is like really hard to do in Kansas City especially in a club setting because you're going to have um, you're going to have, probably have Blue Lives Matter people like in the audience. Um, Jake is—he's always been funny, but he's just—he's f- 
he's fucking exploding right now. I'm proud of him. Jake Redpath, look him up. Yeah, I was chucking out his stuff this week. Also, I have to say, I'm really, and you probably feel this way, jealous of his name. What a Redpath. That's a great name. It's such a fucking good name for, like, someone in entertainment, or especially comedy. Yeah. That's such, like, a... It sounds it sounds fake almost. It's like it does almost sound fake. It's such like a brandable name, dude. His first name is technically Scott, which is not as good. I don't think. Yeah, you don't want to go with Scott, especially like a comedy. Jake is more. Yeah, which is less. Uh, he's always gone. Yeah, I think he's like me, where he's always even when he was a kid, he went by Jake. Uh, I mean, in Red Path, easy to spell. Compared to, like, Scarborough, I still don't really know how to spell your name. Yeah. Is your name different from, like, Scarborough Fair spelling? It's different, yeah. Yeah. There's one less O. It's My name is two syllables. Uh, Scarborough. Scarborough. It's not Scarborough. No. Scarborough. I didn't even know that. Yeah. I've been saying it wrong. (laughs) I don't know. I didn't know how to spell your last name if it was one or two S's. It's two S's. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think also, like, that comes along with, like, just ha- having a smartphone for 10 years. Like, yeah. we, uh, spelling is, like, not... Spelling is fucking overrated, and it's... Yeah. No, what, I used... Because I'm, like, I'm not a great speller and not because I... I, I'm really great at memorizing things, so I could be if I really cared about that. Uh-huh. But it was just never something that... Know what it is? Is I any I second guess myself, and then I f- I'll fuck up the spelling of a word. It's similar to like I can type pretty quickly, but if someone's standing over my shoulder, I can't type at all. Yeah. And spelling for that is like that for me. Um, and uh, like I'll I'll see a word. It can even be a simple word. I don't know if this is dyslexia, but I'll see a word. And I'm like that looks weird. And it's yeah. a word that I know how to spell, like, Same. tomorrow, and I'm like, is that how, why do these letters look, or right. is it the grouping? I think typing makes it better than handwriting, but, uh, I mentioned earlier Brandon Sanderson, the author, probably the, like, the, the biggest author in fantasy right now, he posts his lectures, BYU lectures, on YouTube for free, so if you, like, interested oh, in writing, wow. and, uh, they're really good, but he writes on the whiteboard and all the time. He's like, how do you spell this? And it's like words that he should know how to spell as like right. a professional author. And it made me realize, like, you know what? Like, this guy is a great writer. Uh, he makes, he writes quality books. Huge fucking, like, look how massive these are. Yeah. Massive books. He writes one of these a year. Um, That's and, so telling. And what does it make and, you think? Does it make you like him more or less when you saw him? Well, he's he's also not embarrassed by it. Yeah. He's just like, how do you how do you spell like? And it's like that's how you have to be. He's not embarrassed by it, and like the the like classroom laughs sometimes, but they're like they spell it. And he's obviously not illiterate either. Like he can spell most words, but I think it's for him like another like mental thing where like yeah, you're second guessing. But uh, you know, with like with smartphones, you don't have to memorize every fucking word. Like if you get like. 70, 60% of the way there with the spelling, it's going to suggest it. There's no need to, like, waste our time memorizing, uh, you know, or, like, stressing about being bad at spelling or whatever. No. Um, yeah, there's definitely no reason 
to fret about that in this day. And so age. we'll probably never learn how to spell your last name. Is what well, who saying. gives a fuck? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> who really gives a fuck? Uh, Keith, did you have any uh, any th- any topics that I think we should wrap the this episode up soon? Or what do you think? Should we? Um, yeah. Let's wrap this one up, and then uh, and then we can get started. What does the audience say? Comment below. Comment below. <laughs> Tell me I look like uh, would whatever. You, would you like this to... Yeah, maybe that's the thing. People uh, f- figure out our, our, who we look like. Uh, know what I was thinking about with this shirt? Uh, I could have had it unbuttoned and, and just, you know, been bare-chested underneath... Maybe get some of those Burt Kreischer fans. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Is that what you fuckers want? Yeah. I just start being shirtless on this pod. I'm the machine. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, we love everyone. We do. Um, we do. Uh, I, Burt Kreischer, I saw him on a podcast. He was like, I feel bad for him because it's like, oh, so much of his image is about being drunk and yeah. stuff. So like, he has like fans that are just like that he's drunk too you know yeah and uh like they force him to do shots even if he doesn't do and stuff yeah but he said one time a fan like wanted to take a photo with him and he had already had his shirt back on he does every show shirtless so yeah i'm sure yeah. you know that he has to otherwise people no like, right yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the the kreischer riots um yeah uh they're like just dis- they're like destroying the starbucks um uh, so he already had his shirt back on, and the guy's like, "No, take your shirt off for the photo." And he's like, "No, I'm good. I already, you know, I already got it on." Uh-huh. It was like, it was like this big muscly dude. He's like, "No, fucking take it off." So oh Burke had to like take his shirt off. Like, okay, fine. Yeah. To take a photo with a fan. I would quit. I yeah. Would, if I was, I mean, that, that. and I guess that maybe you know he's has humility. That's good, but I would, I would never do a show shirtless again. And I would bring a gun. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, it's weird uh, how different comics, like, um, fuck, with, uh, fuck with their audience to, like, varying degrees after a show. Because um, I've seen guys who are, like, super famous who are way into that. Like, they still, you know, they, they want to take pictures with their fans and shit like that. And then I've seen, you know, the exact opposite. Craig, for example, he's a fucking hustler. Like, yeah. he... I mean, he's still... Um, you know, he sells his own merch or whatever. He's, he was selling hoodies and shit like that. But he was going outside for people to take photos with their Corvette and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, what a fucking nice dude. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's just the personality thing. You see that with, like, celebrities. They're like, oh, like, Selena Gomez is the nicest. She'll always give fans autographs when they approach her in the airport. And, like, I see that and I'm like, I could not fucking handle that. Like, strangers approaching me all the time and, like, they want to take a photo and talk. And, like, I would would just die. I I wouldn't... I don't know. And a lot of them, I think, end up being secluded, not going out of the house, like, if they don't, if they're not... uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know why you're trying to pursue fame, Aaron. It's going to be... Dude, I swear to God, I, it's not like... I, uh, it's not the fame that I want. Sure. It's, it's the compliments. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the thing. That, that, 
well, that's I like want a, people to appreciate my art. A real superstar that they're like, oh, she always gives autographs and she's always nice. It's like, yeah. that's why they're a superstar because they're desperate for the yeah. validation, you know. Dude, um, I fucking love it. Which is a good place to be, uh, you know. That's yeah. so much better than, like, the brooding artist that's like, you know. Yeah, the, um, the, yeah I, I don't want to be a cunt. I want to. I want to yeah. be. Uh, I want people that like actually like me and feel like they know me. Well, for yeah. some of us, cunt is deep within our, within our soul. And I, dude, and I respect that part of you. <laughs> um, maybe more than the rest. Uh, <clears throat> uh, yeah, let's let's wrap this up. Let's move on to new things. Uh, do you want to plug anything? Yeah, at yeah. The end of this? Well. We're not exactly sure what day this will be up, but Thanksgiving Day, I'll be posting my first story mm-hmm. um, to the Patreon. It's going to be called Theodore's Lament, mm-hmm. and it's uh, uh, almost 5,000 words, so it's really it's literally just like a 20-minute read if yeah. you know, you're a quick reader. Um, so it's a, it's, a, it's a fun story. People should... Subscribe to the pod. Check it out. Randy's already up there, or to the uh, Patreon. Randy's yeah. already up there, and uh, we've got uh, you know five stories from me coming up. So yes, and they're all going to be longer. It's it's already becoming clear that they're more expansive. So, dude, the yeah the Patreon is going to have like I, so far we only have one tier and it's five bucks and I, I don't know if that's going to change like because our concept behind it is just five bucks a month and you get enough like of, and we know like some people are going to like the podcast and not like the literature and vice versa or whatever mm-hmm. but if you want to support you know what we're doing for five bucks you get uh, you're gonna have so much shit on there and it's it's good shit it's it's my paintings my drawings uh made into a fucking graphic novel that i i believe in uh and you know keith is like his uh this story series that he's working on i'm also doing like some illustrations for that uh some some cover art and we're we're creating these uh, these pieces of art um, and the unique and cool thing about the way we're doing it is we're putting it on Patreon first uh, so before it hits print you know we're going to be able to make sure that it is absolutely perfect um, yeah I just uh, and if you do if you like the content of the pod it's going to both our our works we're working on sort of have our our views sort of like cleverly disguised within the stories they're yes they're uh you know and some of them have similar themes too yeah, like yeah. we we both there's it's not a coincidence that keith and i are friends uh we both we met each other when we were in college we both came from uh you know like kind of christian backgrounds uh we were both um, you know, when we were in college, like really starting to get into leftist politics, mm-hmm. uh, and um, I think that like the unifying factor, like National Prayer Breakfast, has always been intentionally irreverent, um, especially towards like religious dogma, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of that in your stories and Randy. That's the whole thing. It's yeah. 
it's it's completely a satire. Also, I've got some of my comedian friends who are working on some, you know, some short stories, some poems, all kinds of shit. So we're we're gonna make it just like a fucking uh, treasure trove, tre- chest, treasure, whatever. I think treasure trove is a thing. Yeah, a trove. Um, also, I'm gonna pull my calendar up just so you know. What dates I'm doing shit. Uh, so Thanksgiving Eve, uh, the 23rd of November, 2022, I'm going to be in Leavenworth, Kansas. Uh, Leavenworth Local is the name of the venue, and that's like an 8 o'clock show. Um, Thanksgiving, I'm not doing anything. Okay, uh, so this Friday, uh, 11.25, um, we have Catch a Trying Star, which is the... Black Friday. Black Friday. It's our Black Friday special for Catch a Trying Star at the Rhino in North Kansas City. It's a showcase that I've been um, building um, and promoting and, and whatever uh, with my friend Ryan Tricky. Um, it's it's like a very fast-paced, like, stoner metal-themed, um, also, like, low-key, like, leftist-themed uh, comedy show. Uh, and that's always fucking incredible. We get we get the best comics. We try to book, like, at least, like, one um, up-and-comer in the Kansas City scene who we have seen, like, really busting their ass. And, you know, you have to, to get on Catch a Trying Star. Those people, especially that spot, is just, it's for the comics who are working harder than anyone and are also getting funny as fuck. So the, uh, that particular position we gave to, uh, uh, Kasahoon, uh, shout out to him, follow him on Instagram. His name's Dawit spelled D A W I T. Um, and you can find that on the catch a trying star page, but he's who I'm most excited about to see on Friday. Uh, Let's see. On uh, Sunday, I am at Knuckleheads here in Kansas City, which is a fu- it's one of the best venues to see live music or anything uh, in Kansas City. And then I also wanted to mention I have Petty in the Straits, also taking place here in Kansas City uh, on the 10th of December. Um... Before that, on the 6th, I have Hillsiders in Kansas City, Kansas. I'll also be with Ryan Tricky co-headlining that. Um, so that's December 6th. Let's see. December 13th, Casual Animal Brewery. Uh, December 14th, Lula's Southern Cookhouse, also here in Kansas City. Uh, and then this is the last one I'll mention. Um, December 17th, I'm coming back to Omaha. Uh, fuck, and I forgot to write down the venue. But lots of lots of shows coming up. Um, hope you can make it to one. Um, yeah, well, have a happy Thanksgiving, everyone. And uh, remember to say your prayers. Say your prayers. Join the Patreon. Join the Patreon. All right. Cool shit coming. <clears throat>